right, so we're going to kind of shift gears here today. We're going to be kind of starting a new uh, study series of messages, focus, whatever you want to call it. But I call it called out. Called out, okay? So I'm going to call you out, and God is calling us out. And I hope that we will know that we are part of the called out. Um, So what we're going to do is look at a couple of passages today. So get your Bibles ready. We also have notes on our YouVersion uh, uh, app. Um, If you use that, we recommend it. uh, The free Bible app, YouVersion, and you can go to events and you can find us right there, or just type in Hartville. You'll find us there. there are, there's also a link on our Facebook page, which is Hartville FWB Church. You can find a link there to it. Uh, but just something to help uh, us get some more thoughts down, right, so we can meditate on them later and digest, because I'm, I'm not going to say anything incredible, but I just want to bring this out, right? And this is the living Word of God, and we want to receive it. You may want to write down some notes or some thoughts, uh, some of the verses you might want to go back over, and the Lord will continue to speak to you and help, help to just engraft this into us, amen? And that's what we want uh, as, as we go. But I know God's going to speak because his word is alive and powerful, and it is God-breathed, it's inspired. So when this speaks, he's speaking. I believe that with all of my heart. Now, I want to uh, be ready to go to Acts chapter 2, but let's start out in 1 Peter chapter 1, or chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. I want you to listen to what he says. He says, he's describing those who are saved, those who have come to Christ by faith, right, and received his grace. Here's what he says you are. This is the same guy, Simon Peter, who was radically changed by the power of Jesus in his life, amen, and became not just a follower, but one of the 12. In fact, out of the 12, he was one of the three that were closest to the Lord, the inner three, we sometimes call them, Peter, James, and John. Uh, This is the same guy who spoke and preached the message on the day of Pentecost that's recorded in Acts chapter 2. Listen to what he says here, 1 Peter 2, 9, but you speaking to those who are saved, are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Do you see how he describes this? You're a chosen, you're a chosen group of people. You are like kings and priests. Huh? Amen. If you know Christ, he's talking about you. Talking about you. Come on, take it personal. You're his own special people. Yeah, I've been told I was special. I remember even when I was in school sometimes, I got to set up close to the teacher. Because he said, you're one of my special students. Okay, I'm going to have to move this around here. I've still got a little little pollen happening in here, you know. Uh, I felt like I kind of sounded like Johnny Cash, by the way. You know, I'm just a little nasally today, but but not too bad. So we're special. We're special to God, you know. I can picture him in my mind saying, I want you up here close to me because you're special. Not just so I can keep my eye on you, but because you mean so much to me, right? Okay, you're following me. I, I feel it. I feel it. He said uh, that why? Why are we purchased by him? Why are we his special people, a holy nation? We're, we're set apart. That's what that means for him. Why? That we might be able to proclaim his praises. Why? Because he called us out of darkness 
and lostness and death and decay into his marvelous light. Life and light. Uh, So this is so awesome. God is calling us out. Now here's a neat thing. That word called you out, the root of that forms part of the word, the very word in the original language of the New Testament, which was written in Koine Greek. The word that's used whenever you read the word in English, church, it is this word, and I'm going to show it to you. It's in your notes, ekklesia. Now, that's in the original language. We translate it as church, but it's literally a compound word that means call out, to call out. So every time you see that word church in the Bible, it means this, the called out. So that's why he's calling us out. What does that mean? Well, it referred to, and it was used in their literature to refer to any type of gathering or an assembly that was called out. Many times they would call people out of the city into assembly. Many times they referred to the gathering at the synagogues even as this, as the ecclesia. What he's saying is, is that I'm calling you out of the world. Those who will receive this come to me. We're called out to him. We're part of his own special people. We're his own gathering. We're his own assembly of people people. And those who come into his eternal kingdom of light out of the darkness, we function, he tells us later on, as his body. We're called out of the lost world into his kingdom and we function as his body. Look at this verse in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. Now, we used this verse a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about knowing God, about him and all of his attributes and about him being our all in all. That's what Jesus is. But look what he says here in verse 22 of Ephesians 1. He said, and he, talking about the Father, put all things under his, speaking of the Son, Jesus Christ, put all things under his feet, Jesus' feet, and gave him, Jesus, as head over all things to the church. That's the called out. Which, speaking of the church, is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So he's the one that is the all in all, but he's chosen us to be part of his called out. That means we're part of his body, and he wants his fullness To flow through us. Hey, there is nothing better going on on planet earth or in heaven than this. This is awesome. So we, those who are saved, those who have come to faith in Christ, those who are followers, disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, are right here, right now. Guess what? We're the only ones right now that he's using to call people of our generation out of this culture of decay and death that we're living in into the body of Christ, into the kingdom of light and life and into the body of Christ. Angels are not down here walking around telling people about the gospel, are they? Listen, I think angels would do a lot better job for some reason. God chose to use to be the one until you know, Jesus died on the cross, he was resurrected, he ascended back to the Father's right hand, he said, I'm coming back. In the meantime, I'm going to send my presence, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit isn't some mystical force. It's not an it, it's he. This is God the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Spirit are one, yet they're three persons. This is deep 
but so is our God. If you want to be able to contain God in your rational gray matter of your mind, uh, then if you could do that, he wouldn't be much of a God. I'm telling you, if God could fit in this brain, he wouldn't be much of a God. He blows my mind. But this is what Scripture reveals to us. So the Holy Spirit, distinct person, third person of the Trinity. But yet he's also referred to as the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of Christ, the very presence of God, enters into us to empower us, those who are sinners, imperfect, messed up people. We got any of those here today? (laughs) That he transforms us, he redeemed us, paid the price for our salvation. It's folks like us that he has chosen to use to continue to get the message out. And to use us as the ones who call others. We answered the call and now he's using us to help call others out of darkness and into light. God, this is good news right here. I should have put this up so we could read it as well as hear it. That God always, there's only one perfect human being in Scripture. That God always uses imperfect people who are in imperfect situations to accomplish His perfect will. Good news right there too, right? Because I can fit in that scenario. Imperfect people in imperfect situations or circumstances. So it's one thing to come together as a local church. And everyone in the New Testament that received Christ, and so the ecclesia, the body of Christ, those who are called out, can refer to all of those from all time, everywhere, that have been saved. But everyone also connected themselves to a local assembly, gathering of believers. So we're all part of the universal body of Christ, But everyone in the New Testament that we find connected themselves to a local gathering, a local body of Christ. And that's what God wants for us. He made it so that we function as a body. And it's it's not biblical to be a Lone Ranger Christian. You'd be like like an arm or a a hand or a foot not connected to a body. Uh, And so this is the tough part because this is where we need God's power to bring us together. Because it's only the Holy Spirit that can do this, he tells us in Ephesians 4, that can make us all one. Because it's easy to love the Lord. It's, it's sometimes you guys that are the hard ones to deal with. right? And sometimes I've heard that about myself. right? Hey, sometimes I don't even get along with me that well. So this is where we need the power of God. And this is the great miracle of God is bringing us together so that we all have different functions uh, to do the work of the body. This is the amazing thing that he's called us out to. So we can come together as a local church. We can sing songs. We can give an offering and worship him that way. We can listen to a sermon, see other people, and then go home. That's one thing, but it's a whole other deal. It's a whole other thing if we actually fulfill the purpose that he's called us to. It's one thing. To just, and it's a good thing. We need to gather. This very one who told us not to forsake or neglect the gathering together, because this is an essential part of it. But it's one thing to just attend church services, it's another thing to actually be the church. Amen? So, what's our purpose in this world? What on earth are we doing for heaven's sake? Follow that? 
I mean, what does it mean not only to be saved and to have your name in the book of life, but also to be a functioning member of the body of Christ? Because remember, this word that we looked at up there, the church, ecclesia, never ever in the Bible does it refer to a building. And we'll refer to this as a church building. You realize in the New Testament, there's no like holy place like there was in the Old Testament days, like with the temple or the tabernacle where God's special presence dwelt. That in the New Testament, Paul tells us later on that the physical body of the believer is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's where God lives. That's where God's special presence, his general presence is everywhere. His special presence is right here in us. And so we may call this the house of God or the house of the Lord. That just means we've donated and dedicated this building to him. But this is the house of God right here. So did the house of God come to the house of God? The building that we have is just a tool. Now, we call it the church. Sometimes we may call it the church building. But it's, it, in the Bible, the word never refers to brick and mortar or wood or anything like that. It never refers to a specific location. It always refers to a people. Now, those people may gather in small groups in different specific locations, but church always refers to a people. Are we being the church? And as his church, we belong to him. Jesus is the one who purchased us by his own blood on the cross. He's the creator. He's the owner. He's the Lord. He's the Savior. He's master. So me being a Christian, I find out here, is, is far more exciting than just me going to heaven. I mean, that, that's pretty high on my list, right? But there's more. There's more than that. God has more than that. How could it be any more than me spending eternity in perfection in heaven? Well, it's this. It's not just about you going to heaven. It's about you and I being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. That's what he intends for us. Otherwise, when he saved you, why didn't he just take you right on out of this world into heaven? There's something God wants to do in us and through us. It's about this. It's about you and I becoming followers of Jesus or disciples. Now, a disciple is someone in those days who actually followed the teacher and was a student. So he wants you to be a student of Jesus. That's what we do. And you follow him. You go where he goes. So it's about being a follower of Jesus, a disciple, who helps other people become followers or disciples of Jesus. That's why we're here. This is our purpose. And all of us have different roles that help accomplish this goal. And we're going to see, as we look into our purpose, what, what, we're here, what is the meaning of all of this? So Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and he was resurrected victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave. He fulfilled the law in all parts, all points. You know, as you look back about all of the details, even in the temple or tabernacle, the feast days, pretty much all of that, all of the feast and everything, point to one, and that's Jesus. Paul later tells us all those things were like shadows cast by him. It all points to this one, to Jesus. 
And not only did he do all of that, and he was resurrected, but then he ascended back into heaven. And not only that, we're waiting because he's promised that he's going to return physically to planet Earth. We're waiting for that. So what are we doing in the meantime? So now what, right? That's what we're talking about today. In the meantime, he sent his presence into us to empower and enable us to be used by him as he builds his church, as he's building his eternal kingdom. And so since Jesus is at the Father's right hand, I'm telling you, and the Holy Spirit, his effects are seen, but he's invisible. That means this, that on planet Earth right now, you and I who name the name of Christ are the only visible representations of the kingdom of heaven on earth. Do you realize that? So if, if, if others who are in darkness don't see it through us, they're not going to get it. That he's chosen to use those whom he redeems to be the ones to help call others into his eternal family, into the body of Christ. So, that's, so this is the purpose that we're here. Um, in Acts chapter 2, you see the birth of the church age. You see the fulfillment of that promise that Jesus gave, that I'm not going to leave you by yourself, that the comforter, the Greek word is parakletos, that literally means one who comes alongside, that I'm going, he even said one time, I am going to come to you. So it's, it's the very presence of God to fulfill and to fill us and to enable us so now Jesus was walking around with them on planet earth with the disciples, but he says, it's like my presence is going to be in you. That's even better, right? Now it's not going to be just me doing this stuff. It's going to be you transformed by him. That, 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 that takes a miracle. There's the biggest miracle right there. You know it? I mean, this is a big miracle. You and I being transformed from being selfish just self-centered, proud, wicked people to someone who would listen and let God work through their life. Someone who would put God first. Someone who would put others ahead of ourselves. Some people, people who were people who would humble ourselves before others and, and look for the betters, the best in others, even sacrificing ourselves. He transforms us to be Christ-like. This is a miracle right here. Because that don't come natural for me. And it bet it doesn't come natural for you either. I'm telling you what, the transformation of our lives is a bigger miracle than the leper being healed. It's a bigger miracle than the lame man, his legs receiving strength and walking. You are miraculous because there's no way to explain you and how God is working and changing your life other than supernatural power. I mean, there's some of your friends that they're going to notice a difference in the way you talk. <laughs> I'll never forget my brother telling a story about a guy he went to college with. And this guy, uh, boy, you know, he was a typical redneck. I mean, and could just, as we say, with his talk, turn the air blue, right? I mean, even he prefaced his profanities with profanities. And so he said, he hadn't been around him since college. 
This guy had gotten saved. Anyway, he was on, on fire for the Lord. And you know what? This is a problem that I had as just a kid. I mean, it came natural to me. I always had the gift of gab, but it was, it was uh, not in a good way. It just came natural to me. Uh, but, and, and people saw this happen in my life earlier. But, but my brother said, I hadn't been around him since college. I heard he got saved, but then God called him to preach. I went to hear him preach and said he's preaching and getting excited. He said, I was so nervous he's going to say some bad words because, you know, it's just all I ever heard. It was amazing. He said, there's a miracle right there that the Lord could re- rewire his brain just with the way he talked. So we know God's at work here. There's no way to explain that, right? This is what God wants to do in our lives. And, and so his purpose is laid out. You see it right here in Acts chapter 2. We get to the end part of that because after the Holy Spirit has come, the church was baptized. The disciples were baptized in the Holy Spirit. He is here. Now, see, you don't have to worry about this because the Bible says you can't be saved without the Holy Spirit. If you're waiting like, and in fact, the Holy Spirit is who helps us seek Christ. Jesus said in John 14 and John 16 that he, when he comes, he'll glorify me, Jesus said. He will testify of me. So sometimes we, we, we mean that. We get things mixed up a little bit. We'll say that we're, just, we're seeking the Holy Spirit. Well, what we're seeking to do is to open up ourselves and yield ourselves to be led by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's job is to help you seek Jesus. Right? Not him, but Jesus. That's what he does. And to bring glory to Jesus. And, and Paul said in Romans 8 9, if anyone has not the Spirit of Christ, he's not his. You don't belong to him. So you have available the same thing they had available, is what I'm saying. The same one. Amen? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Hallelujah. Now, uh, this has happened on the day of Pentecost, and here's this message that Peter, that we read that verse, was preaching. And I want you to look, in, 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 look, look with me in Acts chapter 2. Open your Bible. Go there on your app. Acts chapter 2, verse 40. So he's preached this message on the day of Pentecost. And he says, And with many other words, he, that's Peter, bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves or be saved from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So this was the call. This is where he was right there calling them out. What is that call to? What is is his call initially to? He's calling us to what? Well, first of all, it's to salvation. It's to himself. He's calling us to salvation. Calling us out of this messed up, sin-cursed, warped, twisted, perverted generation into his eternal kingdom. So this has to do with salvation because we realize that, listen, this world and everyone who is not redeemed will one day fall under the judgment of a holy and righteous God. Amen? That's just the truth. God is calling us out. He's calling us out of this world into this kingdom. And Peter is testifying and exhorting the people about this. This is it. It says that in verse 40, he bore witness and continued to exhort them. Now, to bear witness, some translations say he testified. Uh, The word here is in a form in the original that adds intensity to it. What's he bearing witness? What does a witness do? A witness testifies. He is sharing from his own personal experience and from the ancient scriptures. If you've read his sermon, he quotes 
the Old Testament, which is all the Bible they had at that time, plus his own experience. We've got the scripture, plus I've got what's happened in my life. I am bearing witness. This is true. And this has become true in me. And it says that he exhorted them. That word means that he's calling them. He's calling them out. He's urging them, uh, beseeching them to be saved, which has to do with deliverance. Amen? That's what being saved means, to be delivered from this crooked, some translations say perverse. The old King James says untoward. Untoward. I don't even know what that means. But the Greek word that's translated there, and 500 years ago they knew exactly what it meant, but here's what I'm saying is that English is a living language. That's why I like to put it in words that we actually use these days. The original word translated there, interestingly enough, is the Greek word scolios. We get the English word scoliosis from that word. The word literally means to be crooked or warped. So he says this whole generation of people that same's true now, they are warped. They're crooked. Perverse, that's what that word means. And those who answered the call, those who answered that call that he was bearing witness and exhorting them to, to be saved from this crooked generation. Verse 41, look at that, are those who received his word. Did you see that? Those who answered the call are those who received the words. They are the ones who were earlier, we read in verse 37, or we didn't, but it says it in verse 37, that they, when they heard this, it says they were cut to the heart. And they asked, what should we do? So they received the word, and the effect of the living word of God cut them to the heart. That's conviction that had happened. Um, a lot of people are afraid of opening up and receiving his word because they don't want to be cut to the heart. Let me just tell you, sometimes if you're feeling uncomfortable and like, I want to get out of here, that's actually a good thing because it's the Holy Spirit perhaps cutting you to the heart and convicting you of some things that he wants to help you with. It's like the surgeon who says, in order to make you well and to heal you, this is going to hurt just a little bit, but I have to operate. You can ignore it. Nothing's going to change. It's only going to get worse. They were cut to the heart. And I see that week after week. I can testify that week after week, I can see at times, visibly, the power of God at work and moving on people and people being moved by that or being uncomfortable by that. And then sometimes I also see people who, it seems like, at least on the surface, are a million miles away. They're hearing the same word, the same message. Some are moved powerfully, and some, it's almost like nothing. So it has to do with us are we in the reception mode or not? So you have to receive. So when he says, be saved, save yourselves, God's the one that saves us, but there's a responsibility on our part that we have a decision that we have to make. We have something that's on us. He's not going to force you into his kingdom that you need to receive it. It says that they received the word, verse 41. We've got to be willing to do, to do that. In fact, you may be out there trying to live the Christian life by achieving. You can't achieve until you receive. What you and I need to focus on is the receiving part. And if we just receive by faith what he has for us, the achieving or the fruitfulness will happen automatically.
We need to focus on receiving. You have to be before you can do. Amen? So as proof of their faith, it says that they repented. That means that they weren't just sorry. They weren't just saying, yeah, okay, I'm a sinner. You got me. No, repentance means to turn, to change directions. And that's what they did. They turned from the way they were thinking and the way they were doing to the Word of God. They turned to God and be baptized. Uh, this was uh, in the context that they were in. Being baptized now has got a whole, new, a whole new perspective to it. Because before when John was baptizing, it was just noticing that they needed to be cleansed and it was, they needed to repent and get right. But now with Christ, it takes on a whole new, a whole new meaning. Because it's not just that our sins are washed away. It's more than that. Paul tells us later, you're identifying, and this is why we baptize the way that we do. You're identifying with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. That physically we're demonstrating what happens when we get saved. By faith, we're identifying with his death, burial, and resurrection. Paul said in Romans 6 that we are buried with Christ in baptism. And that just like he was raised, we should also be raised up to walk in newness of life. Amen? So I've got resurrection power in me. And by the way, we have more people that are going to be baptized in the coming weeks. And if you feel like that maybe you've, I mean, you've not been baptized, you're ready. Uh, or maybe you were baptized at a time and you didn't really know what you were doing. And you would like to be baptized. You need to say something. because we're gonna, In fact, we had two people baptized Tuesday night at CR, right? Uh, so there are people being baptized that are coming to faith in Christ on Tuesday nights. Uh, we even do it on Wednesday nights and on Sundays. But this is what we are excited about. And that's what they did. It was an evidence that they had received Christ. Now, in their world, it was an outward testimony of an inward reality. And many people saw it. And you have to understand that there were a lot of people that were baptized that day that it could have resulted in their being kicked out of the synagogue disowned by their family, shunned in their trade. So you need to know that that was a reality that they faced as they publicly professed to follow Christ in their baptism. But you know, it also denotes a unity. The baptism denotes a unity and a fellowship in the body of Christ. Did you know that? Paul refers to it this way. And this is in Ephesians 4 where he says, there is one body. Amen? One body of Christ. We're all part of it. One spirit. One Holy Spirit. Just as you, there's our word, called to the one hope that, that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. This is part of our fellowship that we have in Christ. We share one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Holy Spirit. You see the fellowship. So baptism also indicates our fellowship. So does communion as we all share in Christ's body and blood. We are baptized, all of us, by the Holy Spirit. Now this is a spiritual baptism. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, Paul says it this way. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have been made to drink in one spirit. So it doesn't matter what your ethnicity is or what your social status is. We're all one. Now, here, the Holy Spirit, it's not you're being baptized in the spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one baptizing you into the body of Christ. So when you got saved, the Holy Spirit placed you into the body. 
You're saved. You got to deal with this now. You got to, you not only deal with the Lord, you got to deal with us too, because you're part of a body. Hey, you've got the Holy Spirit. You've got God. You've got His Word to help you deal with all of us and deal with me. But we're part of a body. This is the reality. Now let's, let's wrap up by looking at the purpose. The purpose. Look at all that's mentioned in verse 42. Look what they did. All right? It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now notice it was the apostles. Those who were with Jesus and directly sent out by Jesus so everything taught could be traced right back to Jesus. And before the word was written, this is very important. And they had to judge that this is exactly what Jesus handed down to us. So it was the apostles' doctrine or teaching. The word doctrine simply means teaching. And their fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. It says that they were continuing fed, uh, steadfastly. They were devoted to these things. That means to continue without stopping. The teaching. They kept going in the teaching. They were teaching about the things that Jesus had given them. Teaching the truth, the word of God. And they continued in fellowship together. The word koinonia, it means to have in common. They continued in worship, in prayer, in breaking of bread and in prayer as they were probably sharing communion and worshiping together. It says they devoted themselves to these things. And to illustrate it, it says awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And look, look what they did. I mean, just as to demonstrate the fellowship and the devotion that they had, that they helped each other out. Those who had stuff sold, and they distributed to people who had need, who didn't have. And it says, and day by day, they attended to the temple. This is a central gathering place. And breaking bread in their homes or from house to house. That they, they kept things simple. They received their food with gladness and generous hearts. And so um, this is the thing that was illustrated there. They were doing all, are you following this pattern? They're worshiping. They're fellowshipping. They're ministering to one another, right? They're instructing and discipling. And then God's adding to the church. They're evangelizing. Do you see that? They're sharing the gospel. So it had a continuing effect. They were devoted. Are we devoted? As Christians, we're not, uh, we're not just called to believe. We are called to belong. Not just called to believe, we're called to belong. We belong to Christ, and that means we belong to each other. If you just can't belong, then he's got something he wants to do to help. He'll help us, all right? This is what he's called us to. Um, now, they continually gathered. Did you notice that? They were gathering. So they, they gathered in large groups, and this is in Jerusalem, and this is at that time. Things began to change. But they met as a large group, and the temple was about the only place that had room where they, they all gathered. But they didn't just gather in large groups, they gathered in small groups, house to house. We still try to follow that pattern as we gather as a local body in a large group on Sunday mornings, but it's also important to connect yourself to a smaller group who are studying and sharing and praying and building each other up and living this out together, doing life together as we say. We've got a lot of different options, and I hope that we can have tons more to do that. I mean, we actually still have Sunday school at like 9 o'clock, where you can kind of start there. 
We do have that. We've got great lessons in literature. But we also have Bible fellowships on Sunday. We have small groups in, in, in CR. We have other Bible studies that meet. There, and we want to make it to where it's easy to find something like that. But they were meeting in large groups and small groups, and they worshiped together. Their lives, they had it all in the proper perspective. They, they, had, they were receiving their food with gladness, and um, they, were, they were, had generous hearts, it says. And they were positive, and they were, they were infectious. At least at this point, it said they gained favor with all the people. They weren't going around like a bunch of wild weirdos. Do we have any wild weirdos in here today? We do have some, yeah. But it was make, listen, what they were doing was radical. Are you following me? But it made a positive impact. Now, the people who don't want to believe the truth eventually wanted to shut them up. But overall, for the impact they made on their society, it was positive. And I think it would be the same way with us. The impact we're going to make is going to be positive. But the fact is, the world don't want to hear their sinners. The lost people, don't want to, some of them don't want to hear their sinners. Some of the religious people don't need to hear that it's not about them, it's about the Lord. And they're going to get mad and they want to shut us up, but guess what? <clears throat> Even Caesar tried to shut them up later on. Even Caesar tried to burn Christians at the stake and throw them to the lions. Yeah. Here we are 2,000 years later, and Caesar's a salad. And we've still got Peter, John, Paul, all, we're naming our kids after these guys. See what I'm saying? Never going to stop the light. Darkness can't put out light. Light puts out darkness every time. And they continued to share the word, and God was adding to their number. That's evangelism, the gospel spread by the power of God. Now, I want to wrap this up by going to a couple of things Jesus said that show the same pattern. And we're just going to throw this out there, and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to stop and meditate on it. Two things that we use as a lot of churches do, this wrap up, Jesus wrapped up our purpose, the great commandment and the great commission. The great commandment was this. Jesus was asked by someone what it was. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. 37, Jesus said, here it is. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. <clears throat> Next verse, verse 38. This is the first and great commandment, and the second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So if you just pay attention to these two, you're going to take care of all what the law and prophets teach, the Old Testament, if you pay attention to these two things. So keep those in mind, what's being said there. And then the Great Commission, of course, is outlining our purpose as well. We call this the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19. Go, therefore, make disciples. Of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's why we do that. Next verse, verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now I want you to see the very things that are outlined there are the very things we see in Acts chapter 2, verse 40 through 47. Take a look at fulfilling the purpose. These five things... These five elements, these are things we focus on. Worship, and everything flows out of that. Ministry, 
discipleship, fellowship, and evangelism. Worship. You remember we read where the disciples were worshiping together, ministering. They were taking care of each other's needs and being an impact that was positive on the world around them. Discipleship. They continued in the teaching of the apostles and growing in that. Fellowship as they were fellowshipping and breaking bread together. And evangelism as they were sharing the gospel and others were coming and answering the call. Jesus' words, worship, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, right? Ministry, love your neighbor as yourself. Same thing. The Great Commission, discipleship, go make disciples, followers for Christ. Help other people become a follower of Jesus. We are disciples who help make disciples for Jesus. Fellowship, baptized into one body. Jesus says, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The three are one. We're all baptized into one body, one Lord, one faith, one spirit. We have a fellowship here. So our fellowship together and sharing together is a very important part of our purpose. And then evangelism. Out of this will flow our spreading the gospel and calling others to the light. And God will add. We be faithful in these things we're going to see the Holy Spirit open people's hearts and understanding. And then he will use us to call them to himself. And he will add to the number of those who are part of the kingdom of light. That's our purpose. This is why you and I are here. So watch this. We're not only gathering. We're part of the ecclesia. We're gathering. But we're also going and we're sending. We are taking an unchanging gospel to an ever-changing world. And it's not lost its power. It's not lost its punch. It's still the only hope this messed up world has. Let's not hold it back. He's calling us out today. Will you pray with me? Father, help us.